Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. It's time to shift your paradigm, gain some inspiration, and get moving towards that next level of success. What kind of person do you want to be? So if we were to ask you that question, everybody on the call, of course, would say, give us some kind of answer, right? A good person. I want to support people, whatever that means. Yet so often as leaders, we show up in a different way in our organizations than potentially the person we really want to be, which has an impact to our organization. And so that's the topic we're going to talk about here today is we've got Mike Payton, who is a speaker and author a mentor of mine um, and a certified EOS implementer in this community. And he has seen the leadership, good, bad, and ugly in organizations. Let's put it that way. And we won't be naming names today of any of the ugly. So that's good. But throughout his career, he's seen a lot of different leaders, how they react in situations. And so I'm really looking forward to this conversation for him to share his wisdom with us. Thank you for being here, Peyton. My pleasure, Jamie. Thanks so much. And if you guys hear me call him Peyton, it's because his name is Mike Peyton, but nobody calls him Mike. It actually feels weird to say Mike. So if anybody's wondering. <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind just starting with, you know, I know a little bit about your journey, but you know, this podcast is all about telling stories of leaders who have been through trials and tribulations and had success out the other side, because I think many of us don't see that part of people's stories. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you've gotten to where you are today. Yeah, well, I'll start with a little admission that we are going to name names about the ugly. Ooh, all right. The ugly, the ugly when it comes to leadership is me. I've, I'm the world's greatest failure as a leader. And so my passion in life right now is helping other people avoid making the same mistakes I made over and over and over again as a, as a young leader, young manager, somebody just trying to make, make his way in the world. And so um, that's my little confession to start. The I day. love it. You know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. My grandparents, who were very important in my life, were teachers, and my mom and stepfather were entrepreneurs. And, you know, I saw firsthand that when you own and run your own thing, you never shut the business off. And um, so I reacted to that uh, vivid illustration of what an entrepreneur is by deciding out of college to cut my teeth in banking. <laughs> Got it. Uh, possibly the most or the least entrepreneurial venture in the world. And uh, at least in the bank that I was uh, affiliated with. And I loved it, actually. I was I, I really loved learning about the art and science of business, not just the numbers and, you know, what makes for success or failure, but but also, you know, the inner workings of the psyche of the people who own and, and serve in executive leadership roles at successful and struggling businesses. And, you know, I'm a, an insatiably curious human being. And so that whole time, I'm just kind of watching the world play itself out, what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, this was late 80s through, you know, early 2000s. And so all of these crazy highs and lows mm -hmm. and world events impacting success and failure. It was just a, a great way to learn what makes for a successful business person and, and what doesn't. And I always knew that I was learning what I wanted to do when I grew up and someday I planned to grow up, but ultimately I went to work for one of my clients and began my own entrepreneurial journey uh, after cutting my teeth in banking. I love that. And it's, you know, a parallel stories about my big corporate experience is the same thing as I just remember at an early age, 
being in rooms I didn't really belong in, right? And I was a fly on the wall or another leader had brought me in, but hearing how business leaders make decisions, right? How they process through things that they're dealing with. It was just like invaluable experience at an early age to understand that and then see how it starts to kind of form how you then make decisions. Yeah. And I'm, you must feel the same thing I did where, you know, I, I learned a lot of really valuable insights from my time in banking that, you know, the rigor and discipline for process and, and, um, you know, a, a, a way of operating that was consistently applied throughout the organization and all kinds of really good stuff. But I, um, I felt like a teeny little ball bearing in a giant machine. Right. And I desired to have, and, and, and that, that my well-being, my roundness as a ball bearing was dependent on a bunch of factors outside of my, not only my control, but outside of my understanding. Like I didn't even understand what was going on that was grinding metal off my ball bearing every day. And so, you know, entrepreneurship was the way I seized control of that and said, you know, I'd like to be more responsible for, for, you know, the good and bad that comes to me in life. And uh, so, you know, four entrepreneurial experiences later, two great successes, two dismal failures, train wrecks, really. Um, And I discovered EOS and, and wished I had found it earlier, as so many members of our community say, and, uh, you know, it's now 14 years since I began my journey as an EOS implementer, and I've been grateful and a, a willing and energetic student of how to be great helping other entrepreneurs ever since. I love that. And yes, a par- so many parallel paths on this, on this journey that we both feel about that EOS model and, and the, just what the impact it can have. Before we dive into the topic about kind of these different kind of people, right, that, that people show up as in the organization, I want to talk about a superpower. So what do you think is a superpower that you have that has gotten you to this point? Well, what... Uh... I knew you were going to laugh at this question. If like, you, I know there's some self-deprecating comment coming. So it depends on who you ask. So if you <laughs> ask my mom, she would say being full of shit. Is that a superpower? It is. And, and I think that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you asked my sons, they would say telling terrible dad jokes uh, okay. is my superpower. Okay. Um, you know, I do think it's understanding what, a person or several people need to hear in order to be their best and communicating with them in a way that moves them a little closer to that objective, I would describe it. And I've done a lot of thinking about this through therapy and, you know, business coaching and all kinds of stuff is, you know, what is it that I love doing and feel like I've got a gift or two at and, and I think that's it. I call it the the mentor that's going to hold your hand and kick your ass at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm, I'm sitting in my session room looking out at this bank of windows and about five years ago, a client gave me the only plant I've been able to keep alive for longer than three weeks. And it's a little dusty uh, thing of, of uh, cacti. And they gave it to me at the holidays with a card that said, Merry Christmas to a real prick. That's my super. Thank you. Right. You're and you're, yeah. you're welcome. Right. Heartfelt. And I believe accuracy is the best defense for libel. So no legal action was taken. <laughs> 
I love it. I love it. So let's dive into this topic around, you know, when you and I were kind of chatting about a topic for this and you brought up this, like, what kind of person do you want to be? Um, talk about what this concept is, how you see it in leaders, like how you've really started to frame around this and, and how you help leaders figure this out, I'm guessing too. Yeah. You know, mostly the, 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 you know, I, I don't know if I can comment on the concept as much as I can comment on the way to help leaders see the gap between the way they're behaving and their version of their ideal selves. And so, you know, it really is ratcheting up their level of observation and ratcheting back their level of advocacy. So I find that on unhealthy teams, the vast majority of the communication is oriented around advocating for one's own knowledge, belief, position on an issue, et cetera. I'm telling you that I think I'm right. Mm-hmm. And that often that is coupled with a blind resistance to really being curious about everybody else's perspectives, life experiences, opinions knowledge, predilections, whatever. And so if that is out of balance, it's really possible for somebody to show up as their best selves as a leader. And I find the best leaders are the best listeners and contemplators. They have strong opinions, but they're informed opinions. And so one of the things I'll say a lot is, do you want to be the kind of person who demonstrates to others how smart you are or do you want to be smart? Mm. It's very true. And I'm even thinking leaders that are listening are like, oh crap, am I this person? Because I think some of this is just not malintent. I truly believe most leaders do not set out to lead in this way. It's either comfort, right? It's muscle memory, or they're sending two messages. Do you see that a lot where we're saying like, I really want to know you guys' opinion, but then when people start to share, then they're the one that come in and shut down the conversation. I mean, I've seen that just a couple of times. You probably Over, over and over and over again. And the biggest offender back to my opening comment is me. You know, I'm a classically trained public speaker. I did, you know, a little bit of the debate, but it was mostly public speaking, um, which means that I had the floor the entire time I was speaking. That's the way I like it, right? And so I had to unlearn this desire to overpower people with my capacity for communication and logic um, and shut the hell up and listen and pay attention. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a struggle for me my whole life, remains a struggle. And it's okay if you're a leader that's stuck there, but you know it's the number one thing that holds a team and a leader back is an inability to really soak in all of the knowledge and perspectives around you and let it inform decision making. You know, business is a sack race, Jamie. You, you, we're all in a gunny sack together, and I might be the fastest sprinter on my team, but if I don't have my team with me, I'm not going to win a lot of races. Right. And you work with a lot of entrepreneurial companies, right? So founders are really, you know, entrepreneurial minded. And I think that's probably something most entrepreneurs need to break themselves of is because when they started, they had to be the ones that had all the answers. And as their team grows, 
they can't break themselves of that, of trusting others. That's right. And there's no, nobody should feel guilty about this. This is normal, right? You cannot build a successful organization from scratch if you're not a rugged individualist with a strong sense of will, right? And so it's really unfair what we do to the people who own and run successful early stage entrepreneurial companies is when they get to 10 people or 20 people or 50 people, we all of a sudden start saying, to them, not only is the stuff that got you here not going to get you there, it's probably going to break stuff and your life is going to be miserable and your business is going to flatline or fail if you don't change. Well, how many of us having been effective using one approach to running a business would all of a sudden one day wake up and say, I have to completely change the way I carry myself in my organization. It's really, really hard. So, you know, when I'm challenging leaders I'm doing it with love and empathy and respect for all of the great things they've done in the past, but an awareness that as an organization grows and scales, it needs to change and you need to change with it or change for it. And in your experience personally or with leaders is how does this also affect their personal life? Because I think that's one thing we need to understand. It doesn't just shut off at the office. Yeah. So, you know, I'm very fortunate in that my wife and I together in a blended family have five boys ranging in age from 35 to 11. And, um, and three of them are mine and one is 35 and the youngest two are 14 and 11. And my um, gifts as a parent are considerably more built out today than they were when I was attempting to parent my first child, because I'm slightly less terrified than I was 35 years ago. It's terrifying. Everything we're talking about is terrifying. Mm -hmm. And so as a leader, just like as a parent, your job isn't to protect your baby from the evils of the world and their own mistakes. Your job is to be there to dust them off put a bandaid on and send them back out into the world to make hundreds and hundreds of other mistakes. So they become a fully baked human beings. Same goes true for business. It's a great, I didn't know that 35 years ago and I'm 10% along on my journey of knowing that today. And hopefully my younger two boys recognize that and appreciate that. As an oldest child, my parents were figuring it out as well. Right. And the same with my, I mean, you, you see it is, is it just, it, it, you don't have it all, but it's the same thing in business. And this is what we've been talking about over the last year with our clients is you, no one knows the right long-term answer to everything we're dealing with right now. We just need to know the right next answer, That's right. right? The right next thing. And I think we all carry a lot of that, that we've got to have it all together all the time. And that's what shuts down the listening and the, because we're coming from a place of fear versus a place of trust. And, you know, optimism that we'll figure it out as a team, but so many leaders shut their team down. Yeah, I was making a, a you know, critical life and business decision a couple of years ago, and I was talking to my um, spiritual advisor about this, and, you know, I was all whipped up as I'm <laughs> being, you've seen me this way, that's my <laughs> natural way when I'm in a group of people, and uh, she said, Peyton, um, you know, it's, it strikes me that you're sitting in the middle of a creek that's rushing all around you and you're working really hard to figure out how you're going to get to the mountaintop six miles away. 
all you really need to figure out right now is the stone closest to you, you can step on first, that'll point you in that direction. And uh, I have used that imagery many, many times when I'm all whipped up and trying to figure it all out to just say, hey, trust, find the stone in the middle of the creek bed that feels safe right now and figure it out one step at a time. I just did an interview of a woman uh, that is, she's the first American woman to ever summit all seven, the top points in all seven continents. And she talks about leading from the top and that, that perspective shift that at each level, she's like the, the weather and the things you can't control. And you have to constantly reassess and say, oh, I thought that's what we were doing, but now we're doing this. And it's just, it's the exact same thing in business, but so many leaders carry that burden of like needing to have all their shit figured out all the yep. time. What's Mike Tyson's quotation? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> well, we all got punched in the mouth over the last. That's, that's entrepreneurship. <laughs> right, yeah. right. It, it's signing up to be constantly punched, punched in, the in the mouth. Right, yeah. I love it. Um, so if people are listening, maybe they're self-diagnosing themselves a little bit right now, like, Again, what's the next stone? They, what, may what be, they, may, they may be diagnosing me, in which case right. uh, there's a research paper in the offing. Here. Right. Or they're, they're actually diagnosing their leader and they need to send this podcast to them. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think the next step is at your next gathering with one or more fellow leaders, just ask, hey, guys, what could I do better to be a more positive, helpful, supportive, curious, open engaged member of this leadership team. If you could pick one thing I'm doing that's irritating the living crap out of you, or one thing I'm not doing that would be really valuable, what, what just ask. So few of us are willing to ask. Right. That's, that's the most important coaching I can provide. I think it's a great message, especially right now, because organizations are needing to evolve, right? We're learning a lot about ourselves over the last year and the leaders need to do that deep level of reflection. And I love that you talk about spiritual coach and just different resources. And so many leaders just go through their lives without any coaching, right? Without anybody from the outside that's kind of helping them think through this. And it's lonely when you're at the top. I was listening to a Brene Brown podcast Mm -hmm. Um, or inter- I think she was being interviewed by the Wall Street Journal or something. I can't remember the exact context, but I believe the quotation is, I've met thousands of talented leaders over the last 20 years, and none of them is not in therapy. Right. None. Like that was an eye-opener for me, right? right? This stuff is hard and lonely, and if you don't have somebody to talk to about the, the tough decisions you have to make every day that don't have any obvious right answers, man, I feel for you. So, so go get help and start with the people you're with every day because they see it, right? Just ask, right. ask for help. Right. And I think the biggest message out of this, and you used this word earlier, is normalizing this is this isn't you're woefully broken, right? You're all, you're not the only one that deals with this, but but you have a decision to make, right? Do we want to just deal with it or do we want to do something about it? And for the good of our organizations, our families, our communities, whatever, you know, it is, is we have to be evolving as leaders and we have to be making constant decisions on who we want to be and how we get better. 
Yeah. And, and vulnerability, as Brene says, is the key to all of that. The, the, you know, asking for help is a sign of strength, not weakness. There's just all kinds of mantras here. But um, again, this, this is what I mean by, do you want to appear smart or be smart? If you're comfortable just sitting in your own lack of awareness, lack of knowledge, you know, flawed human skin and saying, I've got a journey I'm on to be better every day, help me, you're going to be a more evolved leader and a more helpful member of the leadership team. That doesn't mean you don't need to make decisions based on your convictions and feel good about those decisions, even when other people don't agree. I mean, consensus will kill your business faster than everything else. So we, we need you to lead too, but don't be afraid to ask other people for input, help, advice, coaching, candid feedback. I love asking for help as a sign of strength. So if somebody listening wants help with their business, with their, like, what's the best way for them to connect with you, to get more information, you have books and what's the best place for them to get info on that? Yeah. So I'm sure you'll put my contact information in your Mm -hmm. show notes and I welcome anybody uh, reaching out directly to me, but the, but the, resource I'd point everybody to is eosworldwide.com. It's a one-stop shop for entrepreneurs and their leadership teams who aren't getting everything they want from their business and maybe don't feel like they're as good as they could be at leading an entrepreneurial organization. And you can also find me uh, there on the EOS implementer directory uh, as well. Perfect. We will make sure and include all of that information in the notes. Thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to have this conversation. It's been valuable for me as a leader. It's just a good reminder for all of us listening is we've all had those moments where we were. My pleasure. It was also fun and valuable for me, Jamie. So appreciate you doing this important work. Absolutely. And to the community, you know, we just appreciate you continuing to engage. This podcast's purpose is to just shift your perspective just a little bit allow you to ask a different question today, right? It's not transformation that we're looking for. It's that next stone. It's that next slight improvement that you can make. And that's the purpose of hearing leaders like, like Peyton come on and share their own struggles. Um, so we just continue to be grateful for the community that engages in this podcast. Thanks everyone. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please click that little subscribe button so you get the latest episodes when we release them. And we would so appreciate a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you on how these podcast topics are having an impact for you. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, make sure and go to our website, keystonegroupintl.com to sign up.